1: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. Each episode, a guest comes on to play a clip of one of their jokes and then discusses how they wrote it and how it fits into what they're trying to do with their comedy. I wanted to do a, a, a fun episode this week for obvious reasons, and, and, and that's what we have. As Our guest is Lauren Lapkus, star of the recent hit Netflix comedy The Wrong Missy and a freaking comedy podcast icon. I've been listening to Comedy Bang Bang from the start, when it used to be a comedy Death Ray, and I, I was always on the alert when the host, Scott Ackerman brought a new improviser on to play a character, and, and and when Lauren first appeared in 2012, 100 episodes into the show, I, I was intrigued. By her third appearance, when when she played Scott's nephew, Todd, and, and her fourth, when she played CBB staple, Tracy and I was like, she is part of the show. She is a person that when I open my podcast app on a Monday, I'm excited to see her name. She's then continued her her great improv comedy work and her spinoff podcast with special guest Lauren Lapkus, in which uh, each episode she would be the guest and a host would make up a character for her to play. And what is so exciting about Lauren is just how loose and how free-flowing her comedy it is it's just sort of like you feel like you're getting such a pure insight into how her brain works like there's just like no filter whatsoever and in many ways she helped define what a podcast character could be so currently she's hosting podcasts herself there there's threedom which she hosts alongside scott ackerman and and Paula Tompkins, and it's it's so funny and giddy, and I love it. And and then there's The the Newcomers, which he co-hosts with Nicole Byer. So, um, th- both Nicole and Lauren had never seen Star Wars before, and are surrounded by people who have seen it and never shut up about it. So they started a podcast where they would watch it for the first time, and experience what it's like to experience that phenomenon that they had only sort of heard reference to. Um, after Star Wars, they then went to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and The the, the podcast was a personal favorite of mine at the start of quarantine. The character we talked about this episode is Pamela from Big Bear, a character Lauren first performed on a With Special guest episode with James Adomian. The the character also became a beloved staple of the Comedy Bang Bang live shows. Uh, But the clip we'll start with is from Lauren's Netflix character special. For those who aren't familiar, The Characters was an experiment Netflix did in 2016 in which they gave eight sketch comedians 30 minutes to do whatever they wanted. Lauren was unique, however, because she already had a large catalog of characters to choose from from her years of doing podcasts. In this scene, Todd, based on Lauren's Comedy Bang Bang character, and his mom, Todd's mom, are leaving a Dick and Boners, a parody of Dave and Buster's, of course. After a date she had. In the parking lot, they're confronted by, you guessed it, Pamela from Big Bear. So, here is Lauren Lapkus.
1: God, it's the worst. Todd, I swear to God, you are making my life so difficult right now. And I gotta go to work. And you're coming with me because I don't have time to drop you at home. What? Weren't you just on a date? Todd, enough.
3: This
1: song goes fucking chump. Todd! La, 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 la. <clears throat> what the serious heck is going on back here? Uh, get out your car! You're under fucking arrest, bitch! Oh my god, it's an undercover cop. It's not, it's a freaking crackin', Mom. Back over. No, 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 no. I saw something about this on Dateline. I'm gonna turn off the car and I'm gonna get out. That's what Stone Phillips would do. You're
3: fucking my husband, bitch! What? Oh yeah, you are. What? Hell yeah, you are. Get out, come on the fucking car. I'm about to get your dirty witch ass wet. Oh my god. Hey, oh my, my god. god no. Get out! Oh my get god! Up. Oh my god. Oh, oh, oh my god, god
1: it's wrong! Right. Ah! Yeah, come on! Ah! Get on your knees! Ah!
3: Bitch. I'm gonna curb stuff, you straight to hell! Yeah. Mommy! It's okay, Todd! Oh, yo, your son can't save you now, Todd's mom. I know you fucking my husband, but joke's on you, cause now you got every fucking disease I got. Who are you? Oh, I'm your worst nightmare, bitch. I'm your fucking teeth falling out at school while you fucking naked and your titties showing.
1: I'm not fucking your husband, I swear. I don't even know who your husband is. Oh, uh, uh, does the name Chucky's
3: dad ring a bell? He's married? Oh my god. Oh my god, that's what I thought. Because I've been hiding behind this fucking car for three hours, waiting for your ass to stop fucking him inside that fancy dick and bonus! We're, we're just playing games. Oh, you like games? I got a game I like to play. It's called, how about, I'm high as shit on crank, and I'm gonna beat your ass in the dirt. No, that's okay. Well, I didn't say we could vote on it, did I? Her, her, her. I didn't, because I'm in charge. And you know what? I had a beautiful marriage, and you ruined it. I was an amazing wife! Oh, God! That's right. I'm Pamela from Big Bear, and you're Todd's mom from Big Bitch. Oh. Todd! You saved me! A i A melting. Quick, get in the car. Get in the car. Uh, uh, I'm Chucky's dad or I'll eat dress. Ooh, jackpot. <laughs> I don't even give a shit. Bitches fucking my husband. Man, these trolls don't even know what's gonna happen next. I'm gonna fucking do some shit they won't even expect. I'ma fuck the president. Someone threw this shit out. Fucking dumbass.
2: I am here with Lauren Lapkus. Thank you for joining me.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: Um, So before we get to Pamela from Big Bear's creation in 2015, I want to back up to October 2012 when you you first appeared on Comedy Bang Bang's 180th 180th, 180th episode alongside (laughs) Gillian Jacobs and Paul Tompkins, who was playing Gary Marshall. You played Tracy, uh, a college senior who just came back from studying abroad in Italy um not the the more famous tracy that you'd go on to play a few episodes later um that but was you, a
0: total mistake that i named them both tracy <laughs> yeah. I, do, I i only realized it after and i was like oh i just was tracy oh yeah okay
2: one's with a, uh, well. one's with an I, one's with a y <laughs> um but w- do you remember what you expected going into that first episode and and what did you find from doing it
0: Yeah, when I went into doing the first episode, I truly had no idea what the show was, and I didn't know what was happening at all, Um, and it was one of those things where you don't really want to say that you don't know what's going on, so I just, uh, I had a little bit of information. I, at the time, didn't really even know much about podcasts besides, like, This American Life, so I didn't really know anything about the show, and... I met Scott Aukerman doing ASCAT at UCB, which sounds truly like a fake language that I'm speaking right now, because <laughs> we, like, <laughs> I, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade Improv Theater in New York and LA, and uh, we have like a weekly show called ASCAT where we have a guest do monologues, and then we do improv based off the monologues that the person does, and Scott came and did monologues, mm-hmm. and I met him there. And he asked me to do the podcast after. So I went into it like pretty much not knowing anything about it and except I had to come up with a character and we would improvise in character. Um, so that was all I knew going in. But I was it was kind of intimidating to come into this like recording studio and um, seeing like, you know, Gillian Jacobs and Paul F. Tompkins and Scott in there. And like we're suddenly just sitting down and talking in character for like two hours. It's, it was a lot
2: <laughs> the first time. Uh- yeah, what, and how did you feel it went?
0: I had a lot of fun. It was so fun. I mean, I really, I had been doing improv for a while at that point, so it was totally my comfort zone to improvise in character. Um, but there are so few opportunities with live improv to improvise for a long period of time like that and like really yeah. get deep into what, you know, a character's like backstory is and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of kept me on my toes in that sense
2: um do you have a sense of when you felt like you 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 really locked into doing the show or really felt comfortable like you really felt like you were part of it and it wasn't like this foreign thing that you're doing and you were nervous about like you felt like oh I'm now one of these people
0: oh it took a while I think for me to feel like it was a a totally comfortable thing for me to be doing where I just wouldn't think about it too much um I probably had to do like Ten or fifteen episodes before I was really <laughs> like, uh, I'm a part of this. And then I think once uh, once I got asked to join Scott and Paul on the tour, that's when it really like was like, okay, this is my thing.
2: Yeah, that's so funny. I thought you were going to say way earlier than that because it's like because by episode, <laughs> episode three, you know, you're doing Scott's nephew Todd episode three, you're doing Tracy Reardon by okay. That four. might
0: be. You might actually make me realize that I maybe it didn't take me that long. I think in my because, memory. Like, it yeah. did, but but if I was Todd in episode three, then I feel like I was comfortable. <laughs> yeah, like
2: Tracy, like you already had re- like Tracy Reardon was your fourth time, and then you already had Tracy come back like a few weeks later, and well, yeah, and then you like- you're
0: you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think in my mind, um, I'm picturing more like the the sweat I felt like leading mm-hmm. up to going to do it, but I think in the moment, it it has always been fun and. Um, enjoyable for me and like it wasn't like stressful or anything and but I think there's this feeling with like you know I was newer at the time to like the scene and everything and so being on the show with people who were more established or people that I really admired that's part of what makes it feel more intense like oh god I'm sitting across from so-and-so like this is like kind of crazy right now but but then the improv allows you to just kind of forget about that part of it
2: yeah, it's almost like you're not Lauren trying to impress them. You're now this character, and it's, your, it's the character's show.
0: It's truly my ideal form to not yeah. have to be myself talking to people.
2: Um, did your approach to doing characters on the show change and, and how you, you went into it, how much information you provided Scott?
0: Yeah, I think my approach changed in that I I really have never provided him with any information, um, but I will give myself... Depending on how I feel, I can give myself a little more. But I think um, I I tend to not really give myself a ton to go off of because Mm -hmm. I really like to just see where it goes. And it allows for there to be like really fun surprises. Some people are really, really good at coming in with a specific character game. Like I would say Joe Wangert is somebody who, when he comes in, he has a mapped out thing Mm -hmm. that he wants to get out. And it's so funny and so good. And it's very fun to watch it come out. Uh, and watch it, it like evolve in the, in the way that he's already planned for it to, even though he's an amazing improviser, but it's all part of that. Yeah. And I think for me, I just I feel more nervous if I have too much information already in my head. I, I feel more comfortable if I'm just coming in with like a voice or a specific, like one little annoying thing about the person.
2: Yeah. But yeah. That makes sense. I, uh, to exemplify this approach, I'd love to roll through some of your iconic. CBB characters before we get to um, Pamela just to tell, tell me what if anything you went in with and sort of what did you quickly find was like the I mean the primary game or the primary thing that you, you found was the dynamic that um, you would want to explore sort of and continue exploring in sort of different ways um, so going in order Scott's nephew Todd what did you go in with and what did you sort of find <laughs> was the actual thing
0: I went in with, um, when I was a kid, my childhood friend had a little brother who was always really annoying and their mom would scream his name And I hate to get him to stop or to get him to come somewhere. And I just was thinking about him. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted to be him. And I thought that by making it Scott's nephew, it would be really fun because I could make fun of Scott while doing it. So um, it gave me somewhere to go. So really coming in, I just wanted to be an annoying young boy Mm -hmm. um, who... And then I think it, it has gone so many crazy places with with Comedy Bang Bang and with my my own shows that I've done. Yeah. That character has just like become so much more developed than I ever imagined. But the, he and Scott have like a very, very rich uh, backstory <laughs> and home life and and like habits they do together. Like just like the weirdest life has formed for that character. Yeah. And it's so fun just to think that it started from thinking about this kid I knew in second grade.
2: Um Tracy Reardon.
0: Yeah, that one was really it's this it's this simple. I really wanted to be somebody who was judgmental of others and said you're weird but could not pronounce the letter r and so just be yo weird and like just being someone who was like always saying you're weird but she couldn't really say weird and that was the only thing I was going in with. Yeah. Um and so that <laughs> it it has the character has become like so not judgmental she's really like open hearted and nice yeah. and um but i think by kind of just starting with just that simple thing it allowed anything to happen i mean she quickly you know, quickly came out that she had a shaved side of her head and was missing an ear and had piercings wherever her ear was and piercings all over her face. And she works at Claire's and she works at Baskin Robbins. And she's like, she has catchphrases. And I mean, she truly, she, she was so much more than I ever could have thought. I, I really was just trying to come in. And I don't think I ever even got that out. I don't think it ever really worked in the way that I was thinking of it originally. So that was kind of fun.
2: Um, ho ho.
0: Ho ho was kind of a last minute idea that I had and I can't I guess it must have been Christmas time.
2: Yeah. Um
0: so I just wanted to be a naughty elf. So the the only backstory I had was that I brought knives and weapons to the bad kids. <laughs> And um, I felt bad that they got Cole. And that character... And I, I came up with the voice and it's like very Bart Simpson-esque. It kind of <laughs> has that vibe. Um, and, and it can be really hard to maintain because my throat like starts to hurt really fast doing yeah. that character. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was that simple. But I he's now... He's the size of a dollar bill. He is an asshole. He's like mm-hmm. one of the most evil. And I really love playing that character because it's truly like my id like it's just i can just say and do anything and it's fine and yeah. i love that
2: uh one last one big sue
0: big sue was inspired by a reality show um person who died <laughs> um, it's not funny that she died but it's just awkward to to bring up yeah. But her name was big Ange. And she was on Mob Wives, I think, which I've never even seen. But I had seen like a clip online and I just loved her voice. And she has like a really deep raspy voice and big lips. And she was just a fascinating person. And I really just wanted to look like that. and And so that one was so fun because I got to do it on the Comedy Bang Bang TV show where they have this amazing hair and makeup team and could make me look exactly like I wanted. And it was like... That was like one of my, the best days ever. I truly I, I would love to just walk around in that costume, like full makeup. I mean, it's basically drag makeup. She's her eyes are so done and the lips are so big and it's just beautiful. And I I just loved being that character. I thought it was so much fun to have the full look.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, since you mentioned it, I've I've talked to people who've done characters before about the influence on of the influence of drag on their character performance. Do you feel like there's any of that in your character work?
0: I had never really thought about that until that character, because people were comparing me to Alaska Thunderfuck, mm. who uh, was on RuPaul's Drag Race and yes. is truly stunning. And I had no idea about her. So I, I, the character was, and I, I actually didn't even control the makeup really. It was done by the guy at Comedy Bang Bang who at the time. So like, I I told him that I wanted really big pronounced lips that were turned downward and just huge eye makeup and huge hair, big bangs, and he really executed it, and yeah, I I got a lot of comparisons to her, and I was really, I was surprised, because I was like, I'm not trying to, you know, copy somebody, I just... Yeah. But, I, but, you know, maybe we could do something together someday.
1: Oh, you should? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I do think that world has, like, such amazing uh, makeup and stuff that I'm so inspired by. And I, I never really connected it until that point because I was like, I, I, I don't often get to do the full look. Mm. Um, and then on Twitter, people were making that comparison. But yeah, yeah.
2: So in 2014, you start your podcast with special guests. Can you explain the premise and why it felt like the right podcast for you at the time?
0: Yeah, so the premise of the show is that I'm the guest and the guest is the host. So basically, (laughs) the host comes in with an idea of what they want the show to be called, what they want the show to be about, and the characters they want both of us to play. It's all improvised. And they determine my character's name and like any backstory info they want to give me is great, but sometimes people don't really give me anything, just a name Mm-hmm. Um, and we just improvise from there. So, like, I don't know anything before we start, and they just introduce the show as if it's their own show, and it's, like, a, a podcast they do all the time, and they bring me on, like, I'm just another guest, and we just get into it. And it was a sh- my first podcast that I ever had by myself, and at the mm-hmm. time, I had really been in the podcast game only as characters. And so the idea of doing a show where I hosted and was myself was really not in my wheelhouse at the moment like I felt really um, like I wouldn't even know what it would be about I, I feel like I hadn't found my voice completely a- as myself at that point I didn't really know what that would be so in my mind it just made sense to do an improv podcast but I also wanted it to be something where I didn't really have to do a lot of work in advance and- <laughs> This was the perfect way because then the guest does the work. Um, but, but what you don't see, if ideally, is that, you know, I'm doing a lot of work on the show to make it what it is. And I think it's like a great, it was a great way for me to like flex my improv muscles and just um, get better over the years and, and find that you can just keep anything going for an hour, no matter what it, the topic is.
2: So... so- Pamela from Big Bear makes her debut on uh, February 13th, 2015. Uh, James Adomian was doing his impression of Tom Lycus who is a misogynist Southern California shock jock.
3: I'm not a cow, motherfucker.
2: Oh, you're not a
3: cow. No, dude. I'm, is that yeah, more like yeah, I'm it? A, I'm an elephant, you bitch. I got sound effects too. Listen to this. What? Oh, oh! You want to? Oh, oh, you, oh, you think you have a talent a radio voice? Yeah, dude! I should be on my own radio show. I don't care. <laughs> well, you better start caring. Oh, I can do it too. <laughs> Whatever
2: you can do, hey. I can do better.
3: Nah, dude! No, I didn't know. women are better than men.
2: I can do this.
3: <laughs> I can do that too. Pew, pew, pew.
2: <laughs> I can do this.
3: <laughs>
1: All night long.
3: Watch <laughs> <laughs> this. Give it out.
2: Oh, that's talent. So you know, James has done been doing that character for a while. He's done on Comedy Bang Bang. So was that a time where truly was anything planned? What did you know? What did he tell you? What What was sort of before even the the um, microphones were on? What What did you know going into that?
0: I didn't know anything, and I didn't even know who Tom Lycus was. <laughs> so. <laughs> um that was really fun and james is somebody who i just totally trust in an improv scene or an improv podcast because he will just go and like you really don't have to worry about anything Mm -hmm. and for him as when he came on my podcast it was so fun and surprising because he truly talked by himself for like 20 minutes i think (laughs) maybe more before he brought me in and i was just delighted watching it i mean i thought it was just so so funny and so fun um but by the time he brought me in, he had me call into to the show as like a caller, and I just came up with the name Pamela from Big Bear in the moment. I didn't. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'd never been to Big Bear. I don't know what that is. I, I don't. the The voice was coming from a an episode of Improv for Humans that I had done. I don't know how long before that, but in that episode, we watched a video of a woman at a tr- monster truck rally, mm-hmm. and she was really, really drunk, and her voice was a lot like that. And in the improv for humans, I did that voice kind of, and then, so it was kind of in my head, like it was just a fun voice to do. So mm-hmm. then when the time came with, with, um, James, I decided to just in that moment, just do that. And kind of thought I would only talk to him in that character for like a few minutes. Like maybe I would call in as a lot of different people or something. I can't remember where it ended up going, but I think it was just, yeah, just you Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and um, truly, I made her like a meth head from Big Bear, and I didn't. I, I think that might even be a like a sort of stereotype. Which I I went to Big Bear like, um, like. Re, like a year ago and I had for the first time and I had no idea what to expect and it was really quaint and there were so many cute little places and I was like oh yeah. this character like doesn't make any sense here <laughs> and then and then um, but I, I didn't even know what I was talking about and then like all these Trump like trucks drove through and I was like I don't maybe this character da- I don't know what this town is like I can't put my finger on it there's like really cute touristy stuff there's like really big Trump supporters there's like cabins like I, I think she could live here I don't know
2: yeah that's that's fascinating (laughs) so (laughs) talking about improv i um you know i've I've talked to a variety of people who improv in sort of different ways and and um and i'm very curious about sort of the mental state of people while they're improvising because it seems like they're it's not like it's either or there's certain like a fusion of both which is like there are people who are sort of extremely present it's like and I don't know, like the matrix and e- the matrix and everything is sort of slowing down, and you're like observing. You're able to like observe everything that's happening, and it's like it's hyper presence. Or there's sort of like the opposite, which is like a completely free consciousness, and there's like no filter, and like things are happening, but you're not there, but you're there. <laughs> Can you describe what it feels like in your brain to be improvising?
0: It feels more like the second option, <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially doing live shows like when we go on tour with comedy bang bang i feel like i don't even know what is happening or what's going to come out my mouth like the second i start talking because there's this adrenaline from the crowd too that i think is is really it just takes over in this way um and even the lack of adrenaline like sometimes there's but i think the moments when you can feel the audience is not on board or that you have to win them over i find that i'm more in my head and it's less fun. And I feel like if I can just come in with that strong energy of not caring, then I tend to do much better. But if my family's in the audience or something, I tend to be thinking way more Mm. and it's not as fun. Um, But I think my brain does go into a sort of different section that like lights up and is just doing its own thing and is like really excited. And I find that like I'm saying stuff that I think is funny that I would never think I would say, you know? So (laughs) I've had moments on stage where I was like, oh, I can't believe like something good came out of the beginning of that sentence. Like I didn't know where that was going. And like, I don't know. So it's truly, I find it hard to explain because it it is just kind of a a sort of, especially when I'm playing a character like Ho-Ho or like Pamela, like these are just nasty characters that say and do the most vile things. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just coming from like my unconscious brain or something.
2: I was gonna ask you that I was like, I assume she, there's no way she remembers this moment because it's one many years ago, but also sort of you're in this state. So I I want to tell you partly what happens in the episode. So about 25 minutes in is when you say like, "Oh, you have you you mentioned you've been doing meth for five years." Um, <laughs> you also say things like he asks you if you've gone to school, and you say you've graduated both eighth and ninth grade. And then he tells you to ride he tells you to ride the bus to meet him in Southern California. But you say you're not allowed on the bus because the last time you're on the bus you rubbed the people's next to you's thighs as if you're jerking off their thighs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember.
2: (laughs) What, but, so it's like, obviously you had none of that. I
0: like hearing you say it, though, like it's like an interrogation, like, and then you said...
2: (laughs) That's why it's just sort of like, there's no, especially the thighs part, you're like, there's no way someone's like, oh, I know a character trait from this person, but... (laughs) why it's almost like now knowing that like does that make sense to you for like i think pamela would do
0: oh yeah but it's so fun because like that was the first time i really got to be her and i i like that there was so much of that already there but yeah. i think <laughs> it's uh it's very funny to have to like um talk about the <laughs> the process behind saying something so stupid but yeah. i <laughs> Um, it is. It's. It's weird to hear it back. I really. Yeah. I really would like to hear just you reading a transcript of that episode, <laughs> just completely seriously,
2: <laughs> just literally reading it, doing Tom's part and your part. Yes. <laughs> Not smiling at all. So the <laughs> the funniest part, especially in retrospect, is um, at one point Tom goes. He likes the role play as Darth Vader, um, <laughs> and you literally say um, that you've seen that movie. You go, I've seen that movie. <laughs> Which is funny because as people who know you from your podcast, newcomers, you had not seen Star Wars. Um, yeah. You go, I've seen that movie. He's so scary and he's the daddy. Is yours. <laughs> so what is that moment like? Because I imagine that has happened to you in improv for a decade, at least a decade yeah. by that point of someone bringing up Star Wars or a thing like Star Wars and you having to like... You know your character hypothetically has seen Star Wars because most people have seen Star Wars. So what happens yeah. in general? Like you might not remember that time, but anytime Star Wars was referenced prior to you seeing it, what what do you do?
0: I think for the most part, I try to go along with it because I think there's something funny for the people who do know the movie about <laughs> somebody just saying things that make no sense with it, but with confidence. Yeah, um, and I so that's been my kind of move with that stuff over the years. It's it's so weird now. Having watched all of it, that I literally get references that I d- wish I didn't get. Like I was just listening to Doughboys, and they said, um, they said one. They were joking about like one quarter portion, and then they they call if you want to get one quarter portion, that's called a a plot or whatever. And yeah, I was yeah. like, or a plot. And I was like, and f- I I get all of that, and I'm sad. Like I now know every part of that joke that was supposed to just be like breezed by, and mm-hmm. I I fully understand it, but. Um, yeah, my world has changed a bit with that stuff.
2: We'll be right back with more Lauren Lapkus. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docuseries, Running Sucks.
3: Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. I hate it so freaking much. that you, it
1: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
2: And we're back with Lauren Lapkus. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but with, with Pamela and like, a lot of your characters, you don't necessarily like create a backstory it's not sort of like bottom up you sort of like are starting with a voice and maybe idea and then you sort of like flesh it out as you're doing it um so it's 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 like you instead of creating a backstory it's just as much as it seems like you just know who this person is after doing them for enough time is that correct is it just sort of like what does it feel like to just sort of know the person without necessarily necessarily like knowing the facts at the time but like if someone asked you, you can sort of like recall because you just sort of know them.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it, it, they start to have a physical look in my head. And the voice, you know, once I'm doing the voice, I feel like the physical comes to me in my mind, like very abstractly, but like it's there. And so I feel like I kind of am this person. And so the voice is sort of a, like kickoff point when Mm I if I do it in the future it brings back a lot of the other stuff like oh yeah okay I look like this I have this like I, I I'm this type of person I would wear this type of thing and it just is kind of stored in that way I think it's really hard to like totally define it but there's like this aura or something yeah. <laughs> yeah. that I'm like pulling from, if that makes any sense at yeah, all. Yeah, I think it
2: does. I mean, that's <laughs> how I imagined it, without so many words. So I was wondering uh, if if you'd allow, if I could talk, if I can ask Pamela a few questions oh, about sure, things she's yeah. interested in. Okay. Uh, hello. Hmm. hello, Pamela. Thank you for joining Hi, me. Jesse. How you doing? I'm all right. How are you?
3: I'm not good. I'm not good. It's Why? not good right now. Because I'm sick of the
2: masks. (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering what the pandemic has been like for you.
3: Well, I've been living my life. I'll say I've been out. I've been out and about. But I can't go to the fucking grocery store because they want me to wear my damn mask. I got in a damn own fight with that security guard. I wrestled him. I tackled him. Let's just say he knows where to put the mask now, bitch.
2: So I, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about just some of your favorite things and things you're interested in. Uh, can you tell me what your favorite movie is?
3: Well, I got a couple, but they're mostly from the 80s. If you was alive in the 80s, I don't know. But a couple of them like uh, Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3, because that one was a Western, very dusty. I like that.
2: What do you like about the Back to the Future trilogy?
3: I like that they just go back in time. You know, they go to the best periods of time. They can go anywhere in the whole world that they want. They can see anyone they want. They can kiss their mommy on the lips if they want. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Um, And what's your favorite food, Pamela?
3: If I had to tell you my favorite food, I would start with corn on the cob, covered in sweltering butter, and mixed with a little bit of Parmesan cheese, ripped straight from a cow titty
2: um and you you know a lot of times I, i've heard you on podcasts you've talked about things that you've hated are, are there are there things that you've hated recently that you want to get off your chest
3: yeah i got a couple cottage cheese emily in paris and fucking my car broke down on the freeway in that order mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um what about emily paris that you hated so much
3: because that bitch been to Paris, you could tell. <laughs> All
2: right, thank you so much, Pamela, for joining me. I, I really yeah, yeah. appreciate it. What are you going to do with the rest of your day?
3: Probably sit and spin, bitch.
2: <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. hmm So, like, just then, like, obviously... What happened what happens when I go, What's your favorite movie? And you're just like, uh and then it just it's like, of course it's this.
0: Well, like, in a sense, I was thinking what would her favorite movie be? And I couldn't think of what she would watch. But then it seemed really fun to just think say whatever the first movie I could think of was because <laughs> that that just makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's like it doesn't it doesn't need to really make sense. It just it just is true. Like, I don't know.
2: Well, it's like what I think you see with a lot of your characters is there's the stuff that you know, that makes sense and the stuff that you'll justify by the end of the sentence.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: Um, so in March, 2016, Pamela from big bear makes, makes her uh, television debut as part of your character special, which, uh, for those who don't know, was, was a Netflix, Netflix gave eight sketch comedians a half hour to do a sketch base special. Um, I've spoken to John early and Tim Robinson about theirs. Uh, but by, by that point, you have tons of audio-only characters. Can you walk me through how you decided who to include, why, do you, why you decided to include Pamela, and sort of what went into visualizing an audio character?
0: Yeah, so I, I definitely knew the second I had the opportunity to do that special, I wanted to use characters that I already knew and had worked on. And I was so grateful that I already had this podcast background because it was like a way for me to workshop characters. I think like... Just in general, doing improv, I you uh, at least for me, I don't tend to want to repeat characters in an mm-hmm. improv show just on any given night of the week. It feels like cheating a little bit. Like it's different than the comedy bang bang or podcast universe where you're creating this world. But within like an improv team, you know, it's kind of annoying if someone always does that one thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's, it doesn't really work that way. So I would have never have had the like developed characters that I had at that point without doing all the podcast stuff. So I was really glad about that. But when I was writing it, I really just wanted to show some range. So I was thinking mm-hmm. about which characters are really different from each other and then which ones I just like the most and I have the most fun with and are like the easiest for me to work with in a sense. So that's how they all got in there. And Pamela is so extreme and so different from all the other characters that I really wanted to do her because I just thought it'd be so fun to get to bring that to right. life. And I got to, you know, paint my teeth brown right. and look like garbage. So it was fun.
2: The thing that I... Yeah. I the the thing that was interesting rewatching the scene was like, it she comes off as very scary. Like... Yeah, she, yeah. How do you <laughs> decide... Because though she's... And she's more playful on the podcast as those shows tend to be playful... You know, in the scene she's she's mad that this woman is stealing her, her husband. Um can you walk me through like what do you how how do you decide like okay, well, we have to like put this person in a situation w- why was sort of scary <laughs> the direction uh, you yeah. went? Yeah,
0: I I can't fully explain that, I guess. I think it was I guess when I think about the when I was writing it, I it's hard to put her in a situation with, with the context I had already come up with where she comes off at where you can play that she's like silly. Mm -hmm. I think in the, in like talking to Scott or like, you know, that other sort of situation she's in, she's seems pretty harmless, but seeing her in a dark parking lot is terrifying. And I would never want to witness that. Um, And so I, I, was having fun with exploring that, but I think it came, I think once it was, once we were doing it, it truly just felt so much scarier than I thought. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, the character just comes off scary in that context. And I thought that was really fun, but it was, like, a kind of surprise in that sense. Like, I think even just playing her in that moment, it has sort of, like, a sneaky, spooky sort of element. And then... (laughs) afterwards like once the other characters are gone from the scene i was just like rolling around on the ground and and saying i'm gonna fuck the president eating french fries and she, she gets a little sillier at that point and so maybe it's a matter of like who she's talking to because yeah. she's way less scary when she's just alone
2: yeah um, the end yeah. is so funny you just roll over to french fries that are on the ground and you're because she Todd knocks you on the ground and then you say, "I'm melting, and then you just and then <laughs> they leave um, was was and that was was it just was it something you're like, oh, i, we want to sell your beat to end this scene because otherwise it is just sort of like, either menacing and or like (laughs) sad that this sort of person. Yes.
0: So I I remember I put in the French fries thing like later and like then fully log rolled like over to the French fries in a real parking lot, which was really uh, painful and dirty. And then I ad libbed I'm going to fuck the president. And I guess in a sense, I'm glad I didn't name the president because I feel like as time goes on, that just becomes like funny Mm -hmm. in different ways.
2: Yeah. um there's two jokes i want to ask you about who knows if you remember writing them i just want to tell you i think they're funny which is todd screams for his mom and then you say your son can help you now todd's mom and there's something about how (laughs) you you know todd's name for no reason
0: (laughs) (laughs) i um i really like the idea of that woman only being Being referred to as Todd's mom, like I think there's something really funny about like when people have kids and then they're only called like by the other kids or like you know other parents who don't know them yet, like oh that's Todd's mom and whatever. Like there's just something funny about never getting to have a name, (laughs) and so (laughs) I really wanted her to be Todd's mom to everyone, Mm -hmm. Um, and then it kind of made uh, for like a funny connection later when uh, Bobby Moynihan's character is just called Chucky's dad, and then yeah
2: um and then the other joke i really love is you go i'm your worst nightmare bitch i'm your fucking teeth falling out at school when you're fucking naked and your titties are showing
0: oh yes i actually think i need to give uh nick weiger credit for that he was helping me uh punch up my script and he i believe said i believe he did come up with that line that I'm yeah, your worst nightmare, I'm your teeth falling out of school. I might have added your with your titty showing because I think that feels more like me,
2: but <laughs> That does sound that does feel like a Lauren Lapkus original. <laughs> this I want to ask you one other thing about the characters, which is not Pamela related, which is you stripping to brick is like you know, it's it's iconic. It's like it's for anyone who knows the characters, like that is like one of the moments. Can you talk about coming up yeah. with
0: that? So that started as a bit that I did on stage at UCB. I was part of a show where I I had to just do five minutes, uh, a character bit. And I came up with that. I remember where I was like in my little apartment, like I'm like, I got to do something tonight. Okay, I'm going to do a thing where I strip, but I just have like a thousand layers of clothes on. And the song that I ended up picking at the time was Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. And I just wanted it to be really depressing, and I planned to hump an audience member Mm -hmm. during that. So in the live show, and then I ended up doing that for, like, years, actually. It kind of became, like, a thing that I was just doing all the time. (laughs) And I would pick, like, a person in the front row of the audience and just dead-eyed hump them Mm -hmm. uh, over and over again, which was... And return to them over and over again. And so when I got to do this special, I I thought, oh, I want to put that in there. Um, But... Tracy Chapman did not approve of me using the song. I don't know what what information she was given, but she did not sure. approve. And um, but then I thought of Brick and Ben Folds did approve, and he or his company or whoever. Because later he like reached out to me that he had seen it and uh, thought it was funny, and so I was really glad. I don't know like how it works with music rights and like how much how directly they're told about what is going to mm-hmm. be done with the thing. So I don't know if he was totally shocked by that or if he knew that was coming, but. Um, I was so happy I got to use that song because that's. I think both of those songs are are amazing, but Brick is is more depressing in this very specific way <laughs> for many reasons.
2: Um. So so this was not the end of Pamela. She 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 keeps on living. She became a fixture of the comedy Bang Bang tours um, that you did with Scott Ackerman and Paul F. Tompkins. So so when Pamela started making the the tour appearances. Do you um, Did you have any think, thoughts of like how you wanted to approach her then or things, how you wanted her dynamic with Scott to be after you sort of knew who she was, but now she's going to be brought into this different world? Um, were there things you wanted to get out?
0: Well, I think it kind of, I wanted to come out with a bang every time. And I think sometimes that would lead to just me saying something totally disgusting and Scott would just stare at me like, where are you going to go now? And so I think we, (laughs) that character kind of can be totally crazy to bring in that dynamic on stage in that way, because I, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm just like a, a rocket that I've set off, like without meaning to, or something like coming out with like the, the biggest thing first. And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh God, now I have to like somehow keep it going. Um, and at a certain point we, we, we I, at least once or twice we brought uh ourselves out with music for our each our characters that we mm-hmm. chose, and I think I walked out to ba with the bah, which yes. was fun. <laughs> so like the coming in with an energy like that
2: uh can you can you tell me about her catchphrase
0: um is it well uh, <laughs> I mean, all that comes to mind is suck my clit. Is that what yeah, you're that's referring it. to? Because yeah, that's Okay, it. yeah. Because, you know, as myself, as I, I'm blushing a little bit here, but um, she would say that comfortably. But I think I did come out just screaming that within like the first
2: second. Yeah. The first time and- you introduce her, that's like one, within the first minute you say that. And he goes, that's my catchphrase. <laughs>
3: All
0: right. Well, you know, we don't get to hear that enough. We we all we all hear suck my dick and it's all very comfortable, but we don't everyone f- freaks out at suck my clit and I don't know what that's about.
2: <laughs> so, in in Pamela's last appearance, which was a live day in 2019, uh besides saying that for Christmas her husband gave her a Magic 8 Magic 8 ball contact lens when she already had three. <laughs> uh, she freestyle raps. Um
3: Gollum. All right, let's see if my voice can take me there. Ready? Soups and stews, bitch, soups and stews. Put them in your butter, make a super news. You can't find what you do to do. You go outside and it's raining poo because Gollum's in the cloud yeah. up above. Yeah. He died. Much love. Wait, hold up, <laughs> wait, what? Wait, what? He died? Yeah. I killed him with a gun. I found it under a gun. I had two guns in my room. Couldn't find my other gun. It was under the gun. You always gotta look in the second location. It's the last place you look that you find your gun. It's under your other gun, son. I got a husband who loves
2: in general, it's sort of like is a thing like freestyle rapping a thing you could only do in character. Is it does it feel like that it is something that typifies like why you do character work?
0: Yeah, I don't think I'd be interested in even trying to freestyle rap right now, genuinely, <laughs> earnestly, <laughs> as myself. Yeah. Um, but I do think there is something funny to doing it in character, and that you can kind of get away with with anything because the character. It, you know, is bad at it or they're good at it in the way that they yeah. think they are. They're overly confident but they suck. Like, I think... um it allows for this like comfort in that weird zone and i think in comedy bang bang too like i i end up getting pimped into doing things like that which is like an improv phrase of like forcing yeah. someone to do which actually we probably should retire because now that i'm describing <laughs> what it is i don't think it's good <laughs> but uh you kind of get like put into a into a corner where you're like now you have to do this thing that you're yeah. not expecting like hey why don't you freestyle or rap about that and like it can feel uh crazy in the moment because you're like oh no now I have to
2: do this. Um, so, you, you first studied improv at IO, uh, Improv Olympic in Chicago, a, a school, for, for those who don't know, founded by Sharna Halpern and Del Close, improv gurus and co authors of the book Truth and Comedy. I, I always think uh, for a long time, people, when they think of the idea of truth and comedy, they, they think like autobiography or like people being really confessional. Uh, but for, for you, how is Pamela? from from Big Bear, truthful and true to you.
0: I mean, in the way I interpret that is that you should bring a level of reality and honesty to everything in the scene. So that even, my character can be really absurd and really heightened and, you know, out of this world. But at the same time, she lives by a set of rules that are consistent. Mm. And there's a truth to that. So and also a lot of times I'll find like, I'll think my characters are so over the top and so crazy. And then I'll watch something. I'm like, that's truly this. Like uh, there's so many reality show people or like just people Mm. you see on the street where they're not that far from what those characters are. Really. If you let them have a microphone, they might say a bunch of horrible (laughs) stuff like that. So there is a truth to that, that, and I think a lot of times what that means also is keeping things grounded. Um, and again, when I'm a dollar bill sized elf flying around, like that's not grounded, but there's a reality that you're all agreeing to that you're not breaking. And that's really what that means.
2: To what you're saying, I feel like a lot of people will think of creating characters as, you know, like how anyone like writes something where you're like, oh, I'm going to create a character. This is their name and this is where they live. But I feel like for you, it's, it's the creation of the characters is. Done through like observing, would you see that's cr- which essentially like you're living a life where you're observing these traits, and then like when you're the character, these observations come out. Does that feel accurate that ultimately, like a lot of your character work is rooted in trying to observe who people are?
0: Definitely, I think that's like my favorite thing about life is watching people and, and taking them in. And I, I think there's a lot of people who don't like reality TV. And I, I love watching that. And it's kind of a great tool for people watching that I just really appreciate, um, especially now since I'm stuck inside all the time. I think I used to get way more inspired by people everywhere I went. I mean... I, I remember very specific people I've seen over the years just for no reason because they were kind of odd. Like I remember a woman in line at Marshall's who was holding like a hundred bras and she was so mad. And I was just like, what is your life? Like, I'm so fascinated by it. You're so mad. You're buying a hundred bras. Like, where are you going? What's going on? Like, I just want to know more. And so little things like that really do inspire me.
2: In In that way, do you feel like you're, I guess I was wondering, in what ways do you, do your characters feel personal to you? Do you feel like a, a person who who knows you just from your character work is learning something about you, or or learning about how you see the world?
0: I think they're probably learning something about me, but I don't know what it is because <laughs> I do think my real personality is very far from most of these characters, and if and most people, I. um I, I think would just describe me as like a nice lady. like I d- <laughs> But I do think for like when I've worked with people, for example, like um, on like TV shows or whatever, mm. where I don't really get, I, th- I think I'm better at this now as I get older, but at the time I would get more nervous or not be myself as much or, you know, whatever. And then they would see me do improv. It was like they were seeing a different part of me entirely. And there's this surprise that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I've gotten to do that within like acting like be able to bring those things together it's really gratifying because I feel like okay the people I'm working with and and the thing that I do are now coming together in this one way where they like get me and it's like so much more comfortable
2: yeah I I think the way you, you describe yourself as a nice lady I think they if you only knew that there is like some of your characters are sort of like wonderfully gross or like Childishly gross in a, in a way that's sort of delightful. Do you, what attracts you to that, or is, is that something you wish you could express in your real life, but sort of social norms does not allow one to?
0: I mean, i i i don't. I think there's just a part of me that has always just found that. F- stuff funny. And it reminds me of being a kid. And I like to stay in touch with that part of myself. And I think people find it surprising coming out of me. So there's like that part of it that's really mm. fun to, to play as well.
2: Um, one thing I noticed was your, your first Comedy Bang Bang appearance came a few months after you auditioned for SNL, which was a childhood dream that you, you've talked about. I, I'm sure there are many other things going on. But I was wondering if part of your in so much as you'd already been doing improv for maybe a decade before you did comedy bang bang but was there something about the freedom of not having to fit yourself in sort of this that box of like what snl is and this idea of like how a performer should be do you feel like there was certain freedoms that you felt like do you feel like you're able to not care as much what people thought because for whatever reason and that has allowed you to sort of continue to do that and you play these characters who don't care what people think and then you sort of keep on going down do you feel like it's it self perpetuates in that way
0: That's really interesting. I I've, I've never connected it in that way, but I do think that makes a lot of sense that that was definitely my goal my entire life. And like the kind of one thing I could think could come of what I liked to do, you know, like how do you do this otherwise? And as I got older and got more experience in like moved to LA and started learning how things work in the entertainment industry, I started to understand like, Oh, there's so many paths to this Mm -hmm. goal. Like this thing that I want to do, not specifically SNL, if it's not going to be that I still really wanted it for a really long time. And um I was really sad but I when I didn't get it but I feel like I didn't do my best and when I think back to that I'm like I don't even know what I did because I everything I've created all my characters have come since then and I I'm so like oh that's so interesting that there was this period of time where like I had that opportunity and I it was really cool and it was I was so happy just to even get to go do it truly I I felt like oh my god this is so amazing and looking back though i'm like oh wow that could have been totally different if i had if i had if things had you know developed in a different way where my characters were already established by this point but i think you're right that like not getting that one thing does open this opens every other door because you are able to go oh well okay that's not going to be the thing what else can i do and I'm so open minded about what that can be. I truly love doing everything. I mean, I, I I have done a really wide range of things in my career that wouldn't have happened, presumably if I got that job. And that's been so cool. And like, you know, everything from like Jurassic World to the Big Bang Theory, which are like two things where I'm like, I would never think that those things would happen. And like, that's so fun that I got to do those things. And, um, and, and yeah, so it's just like letting yourself go on the ride and not be stuck with one idea
2: one thing i heard you say that i i found interesting is how you felt doing podcasts made you feel comfortable calling yourself a comedian opposed to just an improviser or an actor but uh, a comedian what what does being a comedian mean to you
0: yeah i think for me with the with doing improv uh, especially coming from chicago and i and with that background like improviser it's such a word that we we use in our community and it's so meaningful and i i really appreciate appreciate it. And I never thought of myself as a comedian because it felt like, well, I'm an improviser. Like it's this one term that is used. And all these people I admire and work with call themselves improvisers. We don't call ourselves comedians Mm. unless you also do stand up or you do something else. And so there was always this feeling in my mind like, oh, I don't I don't really associate with that word because what I do is this one specific thing. And as I've gotten to find my voice more through the years and and I, and yes, I think podcasts were the way that that all happened for me. I was able to go, oh, I'm a comedian because I create funny content. And that is what I do. And I go do live shows where people laugh. That's comedy. Yeah. <laughs> That's There's no other way to put it. And I think improviser is a more amorphous term that like people don't really know as much. Like yeah. the word comedian is just like, you know what that is. So if I tell you I'm a comedian and then they're like tell me a joke i'm like well that's not what i do i'm not a stand up i do this whole other thing and then that can open that conversation but i think the word i really like owning that word because that is how i see myself and i and it now you know when i am in things as an actor it's helpful for me to go i'm an actor and i'm a comedian because mm-hmm. this isn't everything to me this this one job or this one thing i like that i have another part of my life and that calling it you know just comedy as a big term it just feels better
2: yeah speaking of acting so earlier this year you co-starred in the film the wrong missy on netflix with david spade um and i I heard you talk about they let you improvise a lot but watching it i was i was struck by how unhinged your performance was like (laughs) i can't remember a performance in a mainstream comedy when a person was like so free to go for it it's And, like, I imagine they, like, let you do stuff, but you'd you'd have no idea what they would keep in. I feel like in any movie they shoot whatever and then they, like, keep the more traditional acting thing. Yeah. But what did it mean for you to not only get to do that, to not only get to perform that way, but see how much of it was used?
0: It meant everything. And I mean, I think this is what I'm referring to specifically when I said, if I can act in something where I'm able to be free in that, that Pamela from big bear way and also, you know, be myself when we, then the cameras aren't rolling, I feel like everyone can see like, Oh, this is her t- whole essence. Like she does yeah. all of these things. She's a nice, normal lady. And then she's this crazy person as well. So like, that's great. And it makes me feel like I then suddenly know everyone. Like I am just much more at ease. Um, and that experience was so fun for that reason. I mean, I I was given the freedom to go crazy and I really wanted to take it because it was my biggest role to date and like to be able to um, play a character who can pretty much say and do anything and it 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 works for the character and is like it makes sense for the character that was just that exact like freedom i needed and it felt like doing an improv podcast or anything like that it felt like that freedom of just going for it so i could add in anything and and i mean performing alongside david spade who is someone who i've truly loved forever i i've always been like oh he's on he's on like late nights now i'm gonna watch it like i truly have yeah. like followed him in a way that i don't always do with people i even like so um getting to work with him was so exciting and he and like getting to try to make him laugh was really fun. So, I I think it was just one of those things where I didn't expect it to be anything like that when I auditioned for it. Uh,
2: when you, when you start in comedy, as, as we talked about, is very character focused, and you you know on podcasts you do characters, and that's what we talked about. But now you have multiple podcasts where you are yourself. Um, can you talk about coming to terms with being yourself in public as a comedian?
0: Yeah, I think this has been such a um. An evolution for me like through doing characters for so long it started to feel like like in a sense people were getting to know me but I was finding my voice for myself too uh, without really realizing it and when I had the opportunity to start doing shows as myself it's it seemed really easy I think like so much of it for me was growing up but like just maturing as myself and, and knowing myself better um but also yeah like having the experience of like okay i've talked to characters enough now i kind of want to talk as myself and that seems easier in a way where it seemed easier before to not be myself so
2: yeah yeah I, it was, as a person who's following it i do think it was something where it felt n- natural because i think especially because comedy bang bang is a type of improv where you like cheat a little like you tr- you, you laugh as yourself yeah And you let little bits of yourself out and the things that you know, and there's a little bit of like awareness that, you know, if you listen to all of you get a picture of who this person is in these peaks behind these sort of characters.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I think it and, and as I've performed and gotten to know and get more comfortable with all these people that I was doing those shows with it just seemed like oh like i i know what my perspective is and i think even yeah. just through my characters i know what my perspective on the world is and so it's it's easy now to to do a show as myself and feel confident that it'll be funny and that it'll you know go well and whatever but i think before i was just more nervous about that <laughs>
2: Uh, So that sound means it's time for our final segment, which is the laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because uh, this is comedy, it's a a laughing round. Do you have a character you wish you could steal or a character you saw someone else do? I I was like, I wish I had that character and it wasn't theirs. It's a different dimension where everything was the same, but this character was my character.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, there's so many funny characters that people do on Comedy Bang Bang that I love. You know, I guess if I had to say one, I would say um, John Early's uh, Vicky stand-up. I just love... But, like, it's it's also... It's just so him. I, you can never... Yeah. yeah. But I just love that character.
2: Um, do you have a comedy crush? A person whose comedy you have a crush on?
0: Oh, my God. I have so many. Um... Oh God! Who? Um, wow. Gabriel Gundacker, Megan Stalter, um, uh, John Gabres, um Oh God! There's so many people. I I truly I could go on and on. I I know, I know I'm not going on and on, but I could because <laughs> there's so many. But those who's coming to mind right off the top of my head, those are people. Oh, Zach Galifianakis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kills me. Um, oh, you know who's so funny? Who I just started. Um, I just discovered. Uh, online Chris Fleming who mm. is hysterical do you know him yes oh my God I I had never <laughs> seen his stuff until during quarantine I started seeing his videos online and he's fucking hilarious
2: um, side note as long as I've been asking that question I think Megan Stalter has come up like 95% of the time
0: that's so funny
2: <laughs> um, speaking of Zach Alfinakis you last year said one of my favorite jokes I've ever seen in a movie which is um The you ask what a clam strip is and the waiter goes. Have you ever seen a chicken strip? And you say I've never seen a chicken wear clothes Um, In the between two friends movie. Can you tell me anything about? Saying that joke That day, I think it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard.
0: Oh, thanks. Well, I did an interview with Scott where we, um, I can't remember what it was for, but we talked about that joke and I thought that I improvised it and he told me I did not (laughs) and that he wrote it. So I will give him that credit right now um, uh, because I didn't remember that. And... So in the moment, I, I I when I think back, I was like, oh, I think I improvised that because I. But I think what it was now when we talked about it more was that he and maybe Paul Rust or somebody came up with it. And I can't remember, but that then they gave it to me, and then I was just like so excited to say it and not yeah. laugh, and that was um, a very fun moment.
2: Um, this will be the last one. Do you have a character or, or a bit that you you tried or maybe you've tried multiple times that has never worked, but and you keep on trying, but you'll go to your grave like that was funny and everyone was wrong.
0: <laughs> um, for sure, but which one? I feel like there have been it's it's I typically don't try again, I think, if it's a total flop the first time. Um I'm I might then just to like do it to mess around, but like typically no. But I have done some where I think I don't know if I can recreate the magic of that. Like I I did one on the Comedy Bang Bang Tour that was like um, the world's oldest child actor or something. I can't remember, but it was like a really fun thing. Like it was a, I was an old man who was, I, I, I can't even remember, but I, but the thing is like sometimes like it's just, the improv is really fun, but then it it's not like a lasting thing. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't think I could take enough from that or it got too weird too fast and it won't work again. So there's no point in trying, but
2: yeah. That's great. Thank you so much for joining me. That was so great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me.
2: That's it for another episode of Good One. You can watch the characters and the Wrong Missy on Netflix. Listen to Freedom and the Newcomers wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen to old episodes of With Special Guest Lauren Lapkus and the Comedy Bang Bang Tour shows on Stitcher Premium. Follow Lauren on social media at Lauren Lapkus. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, Hannah Rosen, and Camila Salazar. Godwin Shrikashin did our theme song. Write our view and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next week with Bert Kreischer. Have a good one. Vote.